0: There, I don't know if you checked out or listened to the message online uh, from last week where we talked about, uh, I talked about these three words that the Lord has spoken to Destiny Church for the next year. And so these three words, if you haven't uh, watched that, I encourage you to go back, watch that because that's a word for this house, it's a word for me personally, and it's a word for you personally. And man, I tell you, I've just been really blessed by, by some of the feedback that some of the people, some of you in this very room have given us about what God has been speaking to you and that that message was just a confirmation of, of uh, what God's already doing in your life. And so, you know, as we look at these, we're going to hear these words over and over throughout the year because the Lord said that these are words for our next season. And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but I do want to just kind of preface because last week we weren't in person, we were online. But I want you to kind of hear it from from my heart and face to face. So when I begin to just talk to the Lord about this next year, I just began to hear these two words in my spirit. And the first two words on the screen forward and advance were the two words that I was hearing from the Lord. And so I I thought those words were synonymous. They sounded synonymous to me. And I'm like, you know, I don't know why the Lord said, you know, like, why are they different if they mean the same thing? And so I really just took it at face value. But I began to pray about it several weeks later after the lord gave me this and the lord showed me that these words are not the same but they are actually different uh forward is the direction it's what's ahead of you and so you you know you can move forward and if but if but if you're think about this now if if your bearings are not straight that's why our declaration last year in 2021 was I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. If we're not grounded in the word, if, we're, if, the, if the word is not our compass, like forward uh, could be any direction. You got to know what the true north is. Are you following me? I was talking to Brian right before we came out here this morning to begin service. And I said, you know what? Um, retreat or reverse is actually forward in the wrong direction. If you've ever lost, if you've ever had vertigo or you've ever lost, like you've been confused or you're, you're in fog and it's like, you don't know which direction is which. I don't know if you've ever in some foreign countries that we've been in, electricity has gone out. You guys remember some of those? Where electricity has gone out and you literally... There's, n- there's no light anywhere. Funny story, I was in the shower one time. Michaela, I don't know if you were on this trip that time, but you might have been too young. It might have been Rochelle that was on, on that trip with us. I'm in the shower, and I said, do not plug in any curling irons, hair dryers, nothing that is going to create a power surge. So I go to get in the shower, and say again? Oh yeah, but that's not the worst part. The shower is heated electrically so that if you don't have any uh and I mean it's instantly heated. It comes out into this little heater and then it dumps hot water on you. It works amazing while you have electricity. And I get in the, you know, shower. So I so I'm in my uh full shower suit if you get my drift, you know, <laughs> like Man, and I'm, I'm like, everything is going great. And all of a sudden, it goes dark. It's so dark, I literally don't know what direction is what. You, I, you can have your hand right here, and you can't see it. It's that dark. If you've been in that kind of darkness, it's really a weird thing. So I'm screaming at them for doing that, and then I'm, I'm doing this. Like, I'm trying to find the toilet because my clothes are on the back of the toilet. And as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm, you know, going and I'm hitting a wall. No, that's not it. I'm trying to find... Oh, that's the doorway, you know? the The only solace that I had is I knew that the power wasn't going to come back on with me in my birthday suit. I knew the power wasn't because... To cut the power on, you had to go out up the hill, and it was this switch box on a telephone pole, you know, about 50, I don't know, 40, 50 yards up this hill. And they're like, Pastor Rife, you know, can you please go? And I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, no, I'm not going to do it. But what was happening is I, I was in a situation where I didn't know which way was forward, And there are situations where we'll get in from time to time that we don't know which way is forward because we're not acclimated and tied in to Holy Spirit. And so going forward, it's really important to know which way is forward. Once you know which way is forward, then you have to advance because you can, it's forward. Where's forward? It's right there. But until you advance you're not doing anything. No progress is, is being made. So there's forward. So I actually have to take a step and begin the progress to go forward. And then if you listen to the message, if you didn't, here's where the third word comes in. So I'm asking a guy, a mutual friend of some of ours, Paul Baskin to come and help us lead our marriage weekend that's coming up in February. And as I uh, asked him to come, just within a few minutes, he called me and he said, hey, man, I have a word. The Lord, I believe the Lord gave me a word for that weekend, but more importantly, for Destiny Church. And so when he says a word, because he said it's a single word. It's, it's a prophetic word, but it's just one word. Normally, when we think of prophetic words, we think of something, you know, that's, that's a, um, you know, it's, it's a concept, that the Lord is going to be speaking. He said, no, it's just one word. And I'm like, oh, I'm excited to hear it because the Lord gave me two words. I want to hear what your word is. And when he told me accelerate, I got so excited because forward is the direction, advance is motion or taking action, and acceleration is a progress or a progression or speed at which it doesn't, it doesn't mean going from zero to 100. It just means faster than it was. And so this year I want you and me to, to look at how these words that God's giving to us, I want you to take it to heart for you. What does f- forward, what does advance, what does accelerate mean for you? There are some things I'm telling you guys. God has things in store for us that we're not asking for. Think about it. God has some things. God love. he's like our heavenly father, daddy. He's our heavenly daddy. How many daddies love to give gifts that their kids didn't ask for? You know better f- them, than they know for themselves. You know things that, that they need that they don't even know that they need. And it's a pleasure. It's a joy for the father, for a father for a parent to give gifts that are unexpected. And so I'm telling you, God has some gifts for you and me and destiny that are unexpected in 2020. And we have got to be faithful in looking at those and saying, God, we are calling those things forth that are not as though they were. That's what faith is. It's calling the unseen, the unexpected, the unmaterialized. We're not, we're not, I don't want to get into all that, you know, blab it, grab it, profess it, claim it, none of that. But calling those things that are not, in other words, they don't exist right now, as though they were right now. If we'll do that, I promise you, and this is what my prayer is going to be. I I heard this, you know, a, a minister a while back he said, Lord, if there's anybody in the room that does not want theirs, give it to me. Like I will willingly take any blessing that people in this room do not have the faith to believe for. God will meet you where you are in your faith. So these are the words for this next year for us. And I just really want us to embody those. So, Today, I don't know if this is going to be a series or if this is going to be a standalone message. You'll know next week when you show up. But I just want to talk to you about Jesus' image. And we've all had people that uh, it's like, have you, have you ever said this like, to some of your buddies? Like, hey, dude, you're giving me a bad image. <laughs> you're giving me a bad rap. Or maybe you, you have been a manager or the owner of a business, and it's like maybe your employees, they were giving your, your business a bad image. I know that, like for my dad, he was a uh, residential um, painter. And there were certain, I mean, my dad was in million-dollar homes in our community. And there were certain workers that they would go into these million-dollar homes and they would give him a bad reputation because of their language, because of the way that they dressed. You know, like a, a painter is supposed to look a certain way. My dad, while I worked with him, all the boys worked through, through the business. And my dad, at the end of every day, would always say this to me. Boy, you have more paint on you than you do on the wall." And I'm like, it was true, because like, if I got paint on me, I would just wipe it on, on my clothes. Shake and tell you I am that way to this day. She gets so frustrated when I'm painting at the church or whatever at all of the clothes that I, that I ruin. I don't know. It's just one of my flaws. But my dad, he would say to these, to these guys, listen, when you go into these places, you have to understand that people trust us if you look untrustworthy. If you talk like a gangster, they're not going to feel comfortable with you operating in their multi-million dollar homes. You know, shave, put on some decent clothes, even though you're a painter, talk decently. As a matter of fact, when Shay and I were building a home, I, I did all of the painting, worst Idea ever, but I thought you know since I grew up in a painting contractor's home, I can handle this, and I did. It was the worst money I ever saved. I thought I could save us money. It was the worst money I ever saved. It was terrible. But one day I'm on a ladder, and I'm I'm on top of this ladder, and I just look like any other worker that's in the in the house. And this guy comes in, and I mean, he is using the foulest language. I don't mean he's letting a four letter word occasionally slip here and there that is so common in the construction industry. I mean rank raunchy language and one of and my builder, who was Tim at the time, comes in, and that dude i don 't know if Tim heard it or if I told him about it, but that guy is using the raunchiest language and I'm like, hey, that's not okay. This is a job site. This is a professional. And he's representing other uh, businessmen. He's a subcontractor to the general contractor. And it turned my stomach to the point where I don't trust that guy. Like that guy, he doesn't know I'm the owner of the house. It makes me not trust that guy. He seemed shady, shifty. In other words, he had an image problem. And so, you know, I was talking to the Lord, and, I, and I'm like, Lord, moving into next year, like, what do you want me as a, as a church, uh, as the leader of a church, what this local body, what do you want us to focus on? And I heard the Lord say this to me very, very, uh, just, he's like, Rife, all I want Is for the world to see Jesus. In you. That's all I want. I want the world. To see Jesus in you. I want the world to see Jesus in my church. I want the world to see when they look at me. When they look at you. When they look at the church. I want the world to see Jesus. I want the world to see me. When they look at you. And if I could just be very, very blunt, the world has done, a, or the church has done a really pathetic job over the last two years. I mean, we've, we've had an image problem for a while, but it's done a really, really bad job over the last two years of being a witness of the Father's goodness. Um, I didn't get the person's permission, but I, I will protect their identity and it's nothing crazy, but I had someone to contact me recently, and they said, Pastor Rife, could you give me some clarity on Romans chapter 14? Because I feel like I know what it means, and I feel like I've prayed about it, and the Lord has spoken to me about it, but I've spoken to people in the church, spirit-filled believers, and I've left confused with their responses. And if you don't know what Romans chapter 14 is, Romans chapter 14 is the, is the portion of Scripture where Paul is dealing with uh, meats, sacrificed to idols, should they eat them, should they not, uh, different customs for this group of people and that group of people. And, and Paul basically says, look, for the believer, all things are permissible. However, for the believer all things are not necessarily wise because there are people looking at you and there are people looking at me and they're judging us by our actions and our words and our deeds. And so Romans 14 basically says this. It says, so, you know, when you are in the presence of people that have maybe, uh, I'm just going to say the word weaker, Faith than you, or maybe a different level of faith than you, that you are not supposed to challenge them to an argument and say, You need to be more spiritual. The more spiritual person is the one that will just let it go. We haven't seen very much of that in the body of Christ over the last two years. I'm like, Dude, do you know how many things I want to post on Facebook? Do you know? how many thoughts I would love to post on Facebook but I don't don't get me wrong I've posted stuff that I've regretted but I'm telling you as a general rule you can look at my Facebook and you can go back I've never deleted anything but as a general rule I'm like people see me they are judging me they are judging what I do how I say it what I say and Romans 14 is just telling me it's better for me to not post that because if I post that, it's going to lessen the Jesus that they see in me. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And so God wants the world to see Jesus in us. His desire is for the world to see Jesus in us. There are a few Uh, scriptures that I want to point out here in just a minute. But Ephesians chapter 5, let's just look at this real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is talking to the body of Christ about um, really spiritually mature living. And in verse 1, he says this, he says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. All right, I'm just going to stop there. He says, imitate, imitate God. In other words, imitate Christ. Imitate his life. And ask yourself, y'all remember the, uh, back in the day we wore the WWJD bracelets? What would Jesus do? That's truly a powerful statement like in everything that we do, what would Jesus do? How would he react outside of our own filter of how we think he should act? You know what the filter is? This, (laughs) this. Because I'm telling you, some people answer that question, what would Jesus do? They'll answer it wrong based upon their filter, their trauma, their experiences. And it's always just go to the Word and see what Jesus did, how He lived, how He responded to situations. There's a situation contextually for anything you will go through. Pastor Reif, Jesus was never tempted in some ways that I am. He's never tempted, you know, sexually, (laughs) whatever. He was single. He was at a well with a woman he could have done anything he wanted to with. She had been with five different men and probably many many others on the side. Yeah, in every situation, what did he do with her? Just kept pointing her to the Word, pointing her to the Word, pointing her to the Father. Every situation, imitate him And it says, imitate him as children, not as servants. Because Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. But imitate God as children of God. There's this beautiful thing. The other day I was on the phone with my son. And you know sometimes how your phone, it'll just kind of cut out and you're talking and you don't even know that the other person's gone on the other end. Well, we're talking and it's crazy. Um, So I'm talking to Noah and I'm like, uh, so anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I don't hear him. And I'm like, are you still there? And he says, are you still there? And I'm like, I'm still here. He says, I'm still here. I'm like, can you hear me? He says, can you hear me? (laughs) And normally, like I would know, but his voice sounds so much like mine that I thought he, and I I said, why are you copying me? And he says, why are you copying me? And I just stopped talking because I'm irritated with him. And I realized I'm irritated with myself because he ain't on the phone. It's scary how much his voice and mannerisms are like mine. And he doesn't even try to be that way. He doesn't even try to go, I think I'm going to talk like my dad. I think I'm just going to be goofy like my dad. I think I'm just going to be, you know, whatever, whatever. He just is because he's my child. And genetically it is in his DNA and who he is. And many of it, uh, many of those things are genetic and some of them are learned behavior. So take that and and use that as a metaphor or a model for us, guys. When we are His children, some of it is going to be learned behavior, and some of it just becomes, you know, uh, just comes from our DNA, who we are, just being from Him. And so we are like Him, and you hear me say all the time that. Because I was created in his image, what he is, I am. If he's a creator, then I'm a creator. If he's loving, I'm loving. As a matter of fact, for those of you who have been around for a while, one of our uh, declarations one year was, the kingdom looks like the king. As I explore who he is, I discover who I am. If you want to know what your identity is, If you don't want to know your place in the kingdom, just look at him. Because when you look at him, you actually should be looking at a reflection of yourself. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said this. Well, first, say this with me. God wants the world to see Jesus in me. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. He said in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Wow, what the nerve of that guy. Like, hey, guys, y'all need to imitate me. Like, if I were to tell you guys, guys, you're supposed to follow me. Imitate Rife. (laughs) Some of y'all would be out there and be like, what a beep, you know, what a, like, but Paul was so confident in his relationship with the Lord He had made him Adonai, Lord, and he was so confident in his pursuit of Christ that he was like, I'm not going to lead you wrong. I'm not going to lead you wrong. I might mess up. I am not perfect, but I'm not going to lead you wrong. If I make a mistake, I'll own it. I'll learn from it. We'll move on but follow me as I follow Christ. Guys, that's our cry to the world. Like you should be able to say, hey, look at my life and follow this example. This year, as we go through this, there's going to be some conviction that happens. And I want you to understand there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. The world will hear a message and and if they're truly not, their heart is not to grow, they will hear a message and they will hear condemnation. But those who are truly repentant and they're hungry to grow, they will hear a message and they will hear conviction. Conviction is simply the loving Father saying, hey, there's a better way to do this, and that's not it. Let me show you the way. Condemnation, which Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. Condemnation is, uh, is the, the voice that makes you feel less than, unworthy. You're an idiot. The father never talks to his sons and daughters like that. You're an idiot. You'll never amount to anything. Do you think the way that you've lived all of these years, you could ever be usable? Those, that's condemnation. Condemnation. Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us like that. He always points out the truth and leads us to a better way. Look at this. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples, they actually went to Jesus and they said, teach us to be like you. Like we don't know how to pray like you you know how to pray. We know the Old Testament way. We know the way the priests show us, but you do something totally different. Teach us how to pray that way. They wanted to be a reflection. They wanted to be a duplicate. They wanted to mimic his behavior because they saw results. And then Acts chapter 1 and 8 says this. It says, Jesus is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the utter parts ends of the earth he says you'll be my witnesses when the holy spirit comes upon you in other words there is a power like can i just tell you this this is gonna mess somebody's theology up it's gonna mess your theology up if you are speaking in tongues and there is no power in your life, you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just got deep, didn't it? You know that devils speak with other tongues, right? Pastor Wright, what are you saying? Are you saying that I'm practicing something demonically? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's not God. I know it hurt. Because the point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not your personal prayer language. The point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not for you to speak in some ecstatic other tongue. Like the Apostle Paul said, I'll stand here and say to you today, I speak in tongues as much or more than any of you in this room. There's not a day that goes by that I do not pray at some point throughout my day in tongues. I believe in that wholeheartedly. But if that is happening and that there is no power in in your life, then, then that is not God because power is what, the purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is. Pastor Reif, you just really depressed me. Pastor Reif, you just really messed me up. Good. Because if you don't give up, listen to me, if you don't give up, this will be a pivotal point in your growth. If you don't give up, this will be a pivotal point in your growth, because the church is operating in so much powerlessness. How are signs and wonders going to follow the church when the church can't even get the basics of love right? you will receive power to be my witnesses. Like God, he is all about being witness. Listen, if we're not gonna be witnesses, then there was no purpose of Holy Spirit being poured out. There was no purpose of signs and wonders happening that day if we aren't going to be empowered by his spirit. And an empowered life means a transformed life, a Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 kind of life. That I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind, presenting my body to him as a living sacrifice. That's what that transformation of power helps us to be, to be witnesses. And we've made, and I apologize, I don't know if I've done it, but I apologize for any of the teaching that you might've had that has made you believe that witnessing is this formulaic thing where we, you, we talk to one another and say, brother, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend heaven? Uh, eternity in heaven or hell. Has anybody heard that before? That's probably one of the least effective ways of ministering to somebody. Like you've got to gain relationship with somebody. You, gotta get, uh, you have to have an opportunity to speak to somebody. You, you build trust. That's what a witness is. There are all kinds of different witnesses that we can look at. I want to just share six that are types of witnesses and I'm sure you can probably think of more, but I just want to think of these. There's an expert witness. An expert witness is a person who has a lot of head knowledge. There are a lot of people with head knowledge. Listen, I'm telling you, We live in a day and age where the internet is such an incredible tool. But we live in a day and age where everybody's an expert. I'm like, if somebody had told me back in 1987, don't go to school, don't spend $60,000 on your education, wait a few years, they're going to invent this thing called the intranet. (laughs) It's coming out. It's the devil, but... No, they're going to invent the internet. And you don't, you don't have to know Greek. You, you'll be an expert. You'll just be an expert. Save that $60,000 on college and just... There are some of you in this room. Like, there are some of you who are contractors and painters and different... You know, who knew that there was going to be a whole channel where you could become an expert on how to tear down a wall and open up your living room. It's called DIY. Who knew that you could be an expert? Tim makes lots of money correcting people's DIY <laughs> disasters. I don't have time to, to go into it, but you know, I was going to fix the plumbing under my sink, and after a couple of hundred dollars and... One failed venture after another, I just called the plumber. Like, I should have called you first. Who knew that everybody was going to be an expert at health? Web MD has made everybody an expert. We can tell you, all oh, that mole right there, it's malignant, you know. Oh, that's bursitis right there now. You know, I was reading up on, oh, you got that stomach ulcer, yeah. Everybody's an expert. Everybody, you know, those of you who are counselors, we don't need you anymore. We don't need you. We got plenty on the internet. We'll just counsel ourselves. It's sad that there are so many experts that you're not an expert. Listen, don't march yourself up in here telling me what God spoke to you for our church. You can submit it to me and I'll pray about it. And the Lord may have spoken to you. But listen, I can guarantee you, none of you spend as much time laying in the floor praying over Destiny Church and and its families than I do. Nobody. And you may have all of the great Joyce Myers and Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But listen, you ain't no expert when it comes to hearing for this house, you know who the expert is? And I say this humbly but confidently the expert for this house is me. And the day that I can't hear for God for this house is the day that I don't need to stand right here. There are so many people who are experts and they wanna give off all of these different views, but listen, many times experts, They're not practicing. Mm. They got some head knowledge, but they're not practicing. I used to get so furious when I worked in retail when I was in college that we would go through, and we knew what worked for our store, but there was this big entourage from Chicago that would come into the store. Everybody's on pins and needles, you know, trying to act like they're... and, and, And I'm serious. It's like seven or eight of them walking down through the hall, you know, and... I'm like it was intimidating, man. And it's like, "Oh, the Chicago guys are here. The Chicago guys are here." And they would walk in and they would be like, "Yeah, this isn't to, you know, the model and this isn't to our, you know, to our book here. Look over here on page 1082, section B, you know, subsection 48. Yeah, that's got to be changed." And we're like, "Well, the reason we don't have that done there is because the customers can't get around and blah 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 blah." And they're like, "Yeah, but the book says this." And we're like, dude, you are an ignorant expert. (laughs) Somebody from a desk up in the uh, Chicago Sears Tower put this together, but nobody had the common sense to come down on the floor of a store and figure out if this works. There are plenty of people who are experts, but they are not living things out. There's also the character witness. The character witness is somebody that vouches for one another. A character witness is somebody that they'll come in and they'll support you. And I'm telling you what, the body of Christ needs character witnesses. We need to support one another instead of tearing one another down. I'm telling you, that you might not think that goes on in the body of Christ, but it does. It goes on in the body of Christ. It goes on uh, uh, among leaders where we will tear one another down, where we should be lifting one another up, vouching for their integrity. Listen, uh, a couple of these others that I'm fixing to lay out here. There's a hostile witness. A hostile witness, this, this kind of goes back to that Romans chapter 14 thing. A hostile witness in a court of uh, in, you know in a court, a hostile witness is someone that the lawyer, when he says, "May I treat the witness as a hostile witness it 's because they have a different different point of view, so in other words, that witness is going to be witnessing against your position, and you 're trying to get to the facts. what happens In Romans chapter 14, the scripture talks about there are going to be people with different points of view. That's always going to be, guys, always going to be. And we've got to be able to sometimes realize that there are people who are hostile witnesses. Can I just use a cultural thing? And I mean, I'm so sick of using this. It's just, God, could we just fast forward 10 years? When the whole vax thing came out, when the whole mask thing came out, I saw mature believers shaming other believers because they were wearing a mask. Now, I'm one of those, I don't want to wear a mask. I'll wear a mask if you ask me to. I'll wear a mask if I come into your store or whatever. But just for me, I would prefer not to wear a mask. But I literally heard and saw people shaming Others for wearing it. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? You know, if you get the vaccination, where's, where's your faith in God? Blah, 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 blah. Some of you guys may have strong feelings on that. Guess what? Good for you. Don't really care. It's not a heaven or hell issue. That's what Romans 14 is. It's not a heaven or hell issue. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, who cares? you follow your convictions, but some people just want to be hostile witnesses. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Y'all remember when this first came out, I told people, we are not going to faith shame people at destiny. We're not going to do that. Why? Because people are at different levels of their faith. If, if they're only at this place where they can believe for this, then let, let them. But you be a witness by keeping la boca shut. The old cake hole, just shut it. Be quiet. Let them do them, and you live a life of love, and you just let, let, be a witness that way. Don't be a hostile witness. Don't be somebody that's got to argue your point. Did you ever see Jesus, WWJD, did you ever see Jesus argue his point? Never, never. Now he got his point across and he also disagreed with people. But look at the way we do it. Oh, gosh. Help me, Lord. No, just move on, right? I was going to tell you about this meme that I saw, but I'm like, I don't know. Jesus, we will be a hostile witness, want to argue our point, and we tick the other person off and we sever opportunities. Jesus talks to the woman at the well. And what happens? She got a totally different viewpoint of his. He's trying to talk about something. She's trying to change the subject, and he brings it right back. And what happens? She goes to the village and comes back with this multitude of people. What happens is he didn't treat it as a hostile witness. He just witnessed love. And it had such a fruitful, flourishing effect. Whereas hostile witnessing turns people off. And guys, a lot of that has been happening in the body of Christ. It's happening out in the culture as well. But listen, we're not responsible for the behavior of the culture. We're responsible for the behavior of the church. Let me kind of move through these. Number four, there's a false witness. Now, I know y'all don't believe this goes on in church, but I'm here to tell you that it does. I'm standing here, right here in front of you saying that, dude, As a, I'm using myself as an example. I'm telling you, I have had people ball-face lie about me and things that I did, said I did certain things that... God is my witness, knows they're gonna have to talk to him about that. It's a ball face lie. False witnessing, division, discord that's what the aim is in that. Don't be a false witness. You might not think that stuff happens in the body of Christ, it absolutely does, and it happens among leaders. Isn't that sad? That we would falsely witness against another person. It happens. Don't be that person. That is not the kind of witness that God has called us to. The next one is being an eyewitness. Like an eyewitness is somebody that they saw it happen. I was there, I experienced it, I saw it happen. See, there are people that they get on this debate, and they want to be hostile witnesses when it comes to baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's like, no, that's a gift that really is not for today, and that really does not exist, and that's blah, blah, blah. And they'll go down this long line, and this is all I tell them to shut that down. Hey, bro, respect your opinion. I'm an educated person, so I ain't a country bumpkin from Mississippi. I actually am a country bumpkin from Mississippi, but I am also an educated one. And I didn't fall off the potato truck yesterday, but I'm telling you, you can talk that mess all you want to. You can talk that, and I respect your view and your right to believe that, but I've experienced it firsthand. Oh, I know it's strange. I know it's weird. I know it's supernatural. And God forbid that God was supernatural. But I've experienced it. So you can talk till you're blue in the face, but I have been an eyewitness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's real. And it's powerful, and it's life-transforming. And I'm so thankful that I experienced it at an early age because it has afforded me so many victories in life that I don't believe that I would have had without it. And this is the last one. This is the true and faithful witness. Revelation calls Jesus The true and faithful witness. When he's talking to the church of Laodicea, he says, Hear the words of the true and faithful witness. Man, don't you want to be a true and faithful witness? I tell you, I want to, regardless of the hostile witnesses, regardless of the false witnesses, at the end of the day, I want to be able to stand before the Lord and say, God, you know I'm honest, you know I'm a man of integrity. I could stand up here and tell you all kinds of things and they just be one lie after another, but there is a God in heaven and he knows who I really am to my core. And above all things, I want him to be able to say, Rife, you're a true and you're a faithful witness. Don't you want him to say that about you, that you are a true and faithful witness? So Matthew 5.16 says this. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will glorify or praise your heavenly Father. Let people see your good deeds. When people look at us, are they seeing things that will lead them to glorify the Lord? If the answer is "Mm, maybe not everything, just work on it. That's not something that's meant to, you know, to condemn you. Like I said, it's meant to encourage you. Just work on it. I'm telling you what, I've got things in my life that I'm working at. You know, I'll say in front of the church and I'll say in front front of my wife, um, like one of the things that the Lord has been convicting me of is I can, I need to be and can be a better husband to my wife. Don't get me wrong. I don't beat her. You know, I, by all, you know, I, you would think that I would be a good husband. But the Lord's just said, you can be better. You can be better. So you know what's ahead of me and what's ahead of you? Hey, hey, hey yes, it's good for you, girlfriend. What's ahead of me is better marriage, better husband. That's what's ahead of me. Uh, ahead of me because... I can be a better witness of him to my wife. I don't know how I'm going to fully do that, but I'm going to go back to that plan that I shared with you guys last week. If you watch that message and vision, have a better marriage. What are the steps that I'm going to take to make sure that happens? Don't get me wrong. That's just one of a dozen things that the Lord is speaking to me about me. What's he going to speak to you? Because listen, 1 Samuel 16 and 7 says this, and we like to take it from this filter of judgmentalism. It says this, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And we take that from our experiences, You ain't the boss of me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. You ain't the boss of me. That's actually rebellion and anarchy. Somebody is the boss of you. Somebody is the boss of you. If you go to this church, I'm the boss of you. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. If you don't know me, you will be offended by that. But if you know me, you know the scripture gives me the authority to labor over your soul is what the scripture says that pastors do, that they labor over your souls. And so we come from this you know, false paradigm of nobody's the boss of me, nobody. And we take that scripture to, to go, yeah, man looks at the outward appearance. That's all they care about. But God looks at my heart, so God knows what's in my heart. Well, you know what? Your outside's got to match up with your inside. Who said that, Jesus? You bunch of white coffins. You bunch of whitewashed mausoleums. On the outside, you you look amazing. On the inside, you are full of stench, dead men's bones. What what, What was he saying? Both, they need to both, both, both correlate with one another. And so let's take that scripture and understand it this way. Hey, man looks on the outward appearance. So if I'm supposed to be a witness and man can't see my heart, but man looks on the outward appearance, do you think the outward appearance is important? Come on, let me hear you. It, It is. They are going to judge you By your outside, before they ever get to know your inside. So it is really important. All right, so fixing to wrap this thing up for you. So, this is our declaration for this coming year. Because if God wants the world to see Jesus in me, then that means that I have to live a life that reflects his character, his glory his goodness, his power, his presence. Like if I lead a life, listen, I can't witness to anybody if I don't have a power-filled life. If I don't have a life of transformation, I can't be a witness. But God, when he says, I want the world to see Jesus in me, my response is, okay, Lord, so I will live a life that reflects your glory. All right? So will you say that with me? Because you know, after this, Sunday, we're going to be saying that every week before our message. Ready? Here we go. God wants the world to see Jesus in me, so I will live a life that reflects his glory. Let's do it again. God wants the world to see Jesus in me, so I will live a life that reflects his glory. So that's not going to be just a phrase that we're going to say, it's going to become something that we embody and we become conscious but not self-conscious of our outward witness. Amen? Amen. We're going to become conscious but not self-conscious. We're not going to feel condemned when we mess it up because God is going to convict us and say, oh, you just missed it a little bit there. Tweak this a little bit here. Bring it in alignment, that whole declaration from last year and watch me shine through you and do some amazing things.